right, everybody, welcome back to the Top 2 Pod, where we give you everything you need to win your fantasy championship. My name is Matt Hicks. Joined with me, as always, is my co-host, Eric Adams. We're back, baby. All right, and we have a special guest with us tonight, Derek Brown from Fantasy Football 24-7. How's it going, Derek? What's going on, fellas? It's, uh, it's good stuff right now. I mean, uh, a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, uh, trying to come to grips with all the withdrawal of football because now we're officially in the off season, but that's nothing that a little whiskey can't help. <laughs> that does always help. All right, today we have a great episode for y'all. We're going to be talking running back rankings. We're going to do 1 through 18 today, and we'll do 18 through 36 later on so we can focus a little bit more on each running back here. So 1 through 18 will work us through all of our running back 1s and about half of our running back 2s. Before we jump into running back ranks, though, we got to start with two off the top, as always. So, Eric, start us off today. All right, well, football season's officially over, unfortunately. And uh, I said I would wait until after football season ended to finally dump on the Cavs. For the, those of you who don't know, I, I'm not really like a Cavs fan. I follow LeBron James. I know you're going to hate me for that. But he's the greatest player of our generation. And now he's going to get what he deserves from me as well as the rest of the Cavs. What the hell is going on in Cleveland right now? What in the world? There is no excuse for losing to the Orlando Magic after being up however many points it was. I'm going through the whole roster here. Isaiah Thomas, I guess you're going to get a pass because you were hurt. Jake Crowder, I love the whole story with your mom dying and you think you're going to get a ring this year, and I still hope you kind of do, but good God, man, you're playing awful. Kevin Love, you need to get out of Cleveland. I, I have nothing against you, but your teammates hate you. It's noticeable. Come on, Shepard, get off the team. Tristan Thompson, stop dating this Kardashian because it's completely ruining you. LeBron, dude, get it together. Because people think you're, you're the greatest basketball player of all time, myself included, and you're making us look foolish now because this has been a train wreck of a season. Honestly, Tyron Lue, the whole Cavs organization, get that stupid look off your face, get it together, and fix this by the time June comes around because, well, to be, to be quite honest, right now, you don't look like you're going to get bounced in the first round. And that is not okay when you have the best basketball player on earth on your team. Wow. That's all I got to say about that. That is amazing. If, if any of you know Eric as long as I've known Eric, I've never heard him talk bad about LeBron. So this is amazing to hear. Uh, Eric, quick follow-up question since you talked about the Magic. And I haven't been following the NBA as close as I'd like this season. Is uh, Shaquille O'Neal still on the Magic? Yes. Because <laughs> that's the Magic that I care about. <laughs> Any hard way? Is he still there? Uh, in some aspect? Oh wait, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe, uh, maybe I'm making myself sound really old by saying that. Sorry. Yeah, I think I had him in NBA Live 03, 2000, maybe uh, for the GameCube. Oh, NBA Jam. Oh, NBA Street. NBA Street. There you go. Ooh. There it is. That was the hottest. Yes. All right, Derek. What's your two off the top? Okay, so uh, refresh my memory. Who is the Patriots fan here? Eric. Me. Okay, you're either going to like me or you're going to hate me with this. I'm just going to preface it with that. Can we all just take a second and figure out what the hell Josh McDaniels is doing? There are so many different layers to this entire situation. And my largest takeaway with all of this is that 
Yes, I understand you're more comfortable in New England. Yes, you want to go with the more stable organization. Yes, you want to succeed, Coach Bill. And yes, you want a lot of rings. And yes, I understand you're a coward and you don't want to go anywhere else and possibly fail and fall on your face like you did in Denver. But how absolutely messed up is that you, from all early reports that I've seen, you sought out the Colts. You wanted to go there. You got guys to go there and sign contracts because you couldn't do it yet because you were in the Super Bowl to sign contracts to be your assistant coaches. So now those guys are stuck there, and I don't know who's going to go there with their head, with their assistant coaches already predetermined for them. But guys, you basically hung out to dry and changed your mind at the last second. Because Kraft sweetened the pot for you to stay there under Bill's thumb. All right, I'm done. Eric, any any reply to that as the resident Patriots fan? Listen, I, I don't hate you, by the way. Uh, I can't defend what Josh did. <laughs> what you said about the assistants getting them to basically uproot their families and already sign contracts and then that, I cannot defend that at all. I, I really feel like Josh made a real good... I'm not going to say mistake, but he really, this is, this was a bad move. He's got some egg on his face today. The only place he will ever coach again is New England. We'll see how it turns out, but the only thing I have, I have to go off of this, I, now I'm worried about luck. Now I definitely am worried about luck, because unless crap really sweetened that pot, I, something made Josh turn and run in the other direction. All right, I'll transition on to my topic here. Um, And so we're just going to hit every, you know, we're going to hit another sports arena here. I'm going to talk about National Signing Day. It was today. Um, And some very deserved finishes here for top recruiting classes. Of course, Georgia's number one. They absolutely deserve that. Um, Georgia's done a heck of a job recruiting. Like, even in positions where they have some of the best players in the country. um, Like, they just got the number one quarterback recruit, I'm pretty sure. And they have... Um, two good quarterbacks. They have Eason and Fromm there. Um, So they're just doing a great job. Ohio State came in at number two. Um, But what is up with Texas being bringing in the third class? They got USC bringing in the eighth best class and Notre Dame bringing in the ninth best class. I'm sick of these college football programs that haven't lived up to their name in years really coming through and bringing in these top recruits. Now, I get it to a degree with USC because <laughs> at some point, I don't care if I'm getting eight wins a season and not actually following through with expectations if I get to live in Southern California. But, like, let's give it up with Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame is in the middle of nowhere. The school doesn't ever perform up to hype. And they don't even play in a conference. Like, do you have any real rivals outside of USC? Um, you have nothing to really play for, but yet recruits keep coming to them over and over again. I mean, when was the last time Texas was super relevant in the worst Power 5 conference in the country? So that that's what's throwing me off. I get these big schools. Penn State came in at four. Great for them. Clemson, um, a, a red team that I won't mention, <laughs> came in at six. Miami, seven. Uh, Oklahoma, ten. So a lot of these schools are deserving of those top ten finishes, but I just don't get why schools are coasting by their name and recruits are still signing on the dotted line for them. We'll get off of our soapboxes, off of the off the top segment, um, and we're going to jump into our running back ranks. But before we jump into 
to those running back ranks, I want to remind you all to please go ahead, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at Top2Sports, at Top2Pod. You can follow Eric at Top2Eric, uh, myself at Top2Matt, but we also want to make sure that you all know you can follow Derek on Twitter. That's dbro underscore FFB. That's D-B-R-O underscore FFB. And also follow uh, Fantasy Football 24-7. That's at FFB underscore 247. And also make sure you check them out online, uh, 247fantasyfootball.com. So let's go ahead and jump right into our running back ranks now. The first one was really easy for us. And then it goes downhill after that. So Todd Gurley was our consensus number one pick across the board. Uh, we'll, we're going to talk consensus in terms of me and Eric in the top two sports rankings, and then we'll compare that to what Derek has. So um, Todd Gurley was consensus for top two, and, and Derek had the same one. So um, Derek, do you want to start us off by talking a little bit about Todd Gurley, why he's your number one? I... I'd like to say it's it's close for me, but considering situation, uh, longevity with that, uh, with McVeigh there, and Todd Gurley being much more involved in the passing game, much less the red zone. It, our next two running backs, and we we kind of differ a little bit on them, but I feel like Ty Gurley has some of the best attributes of Lev Bell and Zeke Elliott as far as fantasy production wise goes. Because you get the touchdowns and you get the pass game involvement. And for me, that plus with quarterback, it's a slam dunk for number one. And it's amazing to me, like, how far, if you would have asked the same question at the beginning of last year, how different many people's opinion was going into last year. Awful. Uh, what was it, 2016 year? Cause yep. I, I would know because I had him on my team. <laughs> and uh, just, that's what happens when you have Jeff Fisher up in your life. Amen. And uh, I'm, I'm spearheading the Jeff Fisher to the Colts rumors. Right? Well, I'm not spearheading. <laughs> but I just want to see that happen just off the topic real quick. Uh, not really. I, you know, it's early right now, obviously. And I, I could see myself putting Zeke ahead of him. But uh, he deserves to be number one. Uh, I'd be a little worried if up off in year two. Well, they, I, I, something strikes me about that Rams team that thinks they're going to underwhelm this year. I don't even know why I'm saying that. I have nothing to base that off of. We have a whole offseason and a draft to go. I just his his receiving totals are what tilts the, thing, the scale in his favor for sure. Uh, mm. 19 total touchdowns. That's ridiculous. So if he can come even close to duplicating that, he'll be top three and he'll justify the top five pick for sure. Yeah, and I, and I think um, you're going to see throughout the offseason here that these first four guys we're going to talk about can really be talked interchangeably um, with the top four. And so I don't think it's going to be like last season when you knew Le'Veon Bell was going to come off the board number one running back. And I think that makes it a lot more exciting of an offseason for us. Um, so coming in with our second pick here, um, this is when we start to disagree. I actually ranked Le'Veon Bell second, but both Eric and Derek, oh, that's going to become a problem. <laughs> both Eric and Derek um, ranked him number three. Instead, they both ranked Zeke number two. So Eric, do you want to talk about Zeke, how he got up to number two? Um, well, 16 games from Zeke, best all line. There's really nothing else to be said. I mean, they're... Zeke is easily the biggest weapon in Dallas. 
He's going to get a lot of usage next year. Why? Because he missed six games this year. He'll be fresh. Uh, it also has something to do with the fact that, listen, Bell, they used the hell out of him this year. They, 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 they gave him so many carries. They, I'm not saying they ran him into the ground because he had a great year and he was deserving of all that, of all those touches. But, you know, the wear and tear, the, the mileage, it's, it scares me a little bit with Bell. I think Zeke is a slam dunk. Which, which means Zeke's going to get hurt and Bell's going to go on to have a uh, setting season, obviously. So. Yeah, to back Eric up here, now Zeke did finish the 10th best running back in fantasy football this year, but he only played 10 games, and he had the highest yards per game total with 98.3 yards per game. Um, and I know you can say that could be due to a smaller sample size, but 10 games isn't all that small. Um and to put that in perspective, the next highest here was, well, the next highest was actually Dalvin Cook with 88.5, and we'll get to him, but we know that was only a four-game sample. So the next uh, closest real sample here is 87 yards per game rushing for Todd Gurley. So um, 11 yards more per game rushing for Zeke, and seven touchdowns puts him at a real good pace if he plays 16 games like Eric mentioned. Now, what say you, though, to those stats? Now, Le'Veon Bell, I left him as number two because he's kind of been the guy that's been consistent for me. So he finished third overall in 2016 for running backs, second overall for running backs in fantasy in 2017. Um, So how do you move away from the consensus status quo guy? Uh, For me, Zeke hopping Le'Veon Bell comes down to one, what, what Eric kind of talked about, him having 406 touches this season is absolutely insane. And, and I'll actually go out on a limb and I'll say, yeah, sure. I do think the Steelers were running him into the ground. It felt all season long, I, I pounded the table, it felt so DeMarco Murray-esque. Like when Dallas just ran him into the ground and they're like, man, we're not going to resign you. We need to run the ball a lot to keep it out of the other team's hands and uh, to win. So, uh, yeah, I don't really care what you do next year. I don't care what you do the year after that because if Lev Bell's not on that team, they draft somebody else, they don't want to pay him and stuff like that. So what's the downside of running him into the ground as far as the Steelers go? So I think there was a lot of uh, high usage and because they could and they weren't sure that he was going to be with them next year. And besides the worries about injuries, because Lev's had some major injuries in the past, it comes out to touchdowns for me. And that's the one thing that, I mean, we all usually play in PPR formats, so it kind of gets glossed over with Lev Bell and just his insane amount of receptions. But let's just throw it out there. Zeke had 16 touchdowns in his rookie season and nine touchdowns only in 10 games this year. Lev Bell, the the most touchdowns he has had in a season has been 11, a mark that he's hit only twice, which he hit in his second year and this past season. And I easily think that we have not seen the ceiling for Zeke. And if you add in, Zeke is a a definite 12-plus touchdowns. And for a mark that Lev Bell has never hit, in that touchdown amount, I, 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 that, that's what tips it for me, is absolutely touchdowns and red zone involvement, and really not just red zone involvement, but 
inside of the ten zone. That that's what tips tips the scales for me. Any concern that Le'Veon Bell isn't in Pittsburgh next year? I still think he's going to be a beast wherever he goes, and whoever signs him is going to sign him as that workhorse back. So, will he still be in my top five regardless of where he goes? Yeah. But do I have worries? Because there's been a lot of stats thrown in previous seasons about, uh, you know, those top three running backs. One of those guys, year to year, always falls out of that top three. And this year was uh, David Johnson. I mean, because of injury, but still, it still happened. So, because of workload and what have you, is Lev Bell the guy that's going to get hit with that next season? Possibly. Also on Bell, uh, just a little something about the Steelers. They're already over the cap, so... Uh, and listen, there's there's always a cap space to be made. They're they're four million over the cap right now. Levell's not gonna settle for you know chump change. He's gonna he's gonna want he obviously wants to get paid. I know there are reports saying they're further along right now than they were last year. Listen, uh, the the longer that goes on, where they're not paying him, the more trouble I see. And he's already said he's not going to take the hometown discount. He's getting paid. And he should get paid. He deserves to get paid. Let's move on to the fourth legitimate option here for the number one overall pick. And that is the guy who was the consensus um, number one overall pick for the 2017 season, David Johnson, who we know went down, what, two quarters into the season? Um, (laughs) For my fantasy team. Yeah, he actually absolutely demolished the uh, in the top two uh, followers league. Uh, me and Eric shared a team, which, by the way, was a terrible idea. Uh, but he demolished our team right off the bat because that, that just didn't go well. So thanks, DJ. Um, but I'm going to read off his 2016 stats just so you can get wowed. 293 attempts, uh, which equaled 1,239 rushing yards. That was 77 yards per game, 16 rushing touchdowns. He had 80 receptions for 179 receiving yards and four touchdowns. So 20 total touchdowns and a total of 2,118 yards. So a true dual threat coming out of the backfield. The injury was to his forearm. It was an upper body injury. So why is he so low for you all? And by so low, I mean um, Eric and Derek both had him at four. comes down to simply the, the, the Cardinals quarterback situation. And if they do not bring in a very, very good signal caller in the offseason, then you have... Well, it's a domino effect. You have... Uh, one, the quarterback play could be crap. Two, if that said quarterback play is crap, then Larry Fitzgerald is not back there. John Brown is a free agent. I want to say Jerome Brown is, I really want to say he's, I don't have it in front of me, he's a a free agent or a restricted free agent. And so your number one wide receiver on the depth chart is either J.J. Nelson or Chad Williams. You have crap quarterback play, and DJ, I mean, on talent alone, I ranked him at four, but I could easily see him being a volume-dependent high-end two if they have a bad, bad quarterback and no receivers going into the season. So that's, that's my worries with Johnson. I rank him as high as I do because 
he's going to be a volume monster regardless of all those other factors that I just named. But I, I, I think I have faith in that Arizona wants to keep Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald wants to get a ring and that they're going to bring in a quarterback because their GM already came out and said, eh, we're not rebuilding. <laughs> not yet. So there's a lot of faith in that ranking, but that, that's where I stand. Well, Eric, you actually solved the Arizona quarterback problem on the last podcast with Lamar Jackson going to Arizona. Oh, wow. Is that what you're banking on here? Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> like you said, I, they need a quarterback. That's basically the only thing holding me back from putting David Johnson in the top three. It's just uncertainty. I just don't know what Arizona's going to look like. Uh, like I said, we're early here. Nothing against him because he is a hell of a player. And listen, if they can get a good quarterback, he'll there will be hype. There will absolutely be hype around David Johnson. And I will. I understand he burned me last year. I will draft him again and again this year. I I have faith in David Johnson. It's just it's just uncertainty in Arizona right now. I just can't trust it. All right, let's keep the ball rolling here. The fifth consensus pick from top two was Kareem Hunt. So me and Eric both had Kareem Hunt at five. Derek, you had him a little bit lower at seven. Do you want to quickly defend that? Yeah, I, there, there's two other guys that I like a little bit more than Kareem Hunt. And it, it's a two-pronged thing for me. Part of it is Nagy is gone. And so you have Andy Reid basically running that offense. And we seen before Nagy took over play calling duties that Andy Reid kind of got cute as far as one, Kareem Hunt's red zone involvement and two, his touch volume and number two is everybody wants to crown Patrick Mahomes as the next next big, like, big hotness and I, look, for a guy that played one regular season game against a team that was like, alright fine, I don't really care if we win or we don't um, as Akeem Tlaib, I just want to keep my gold chain. And he played the preseason. I, I, I'm not ready to, I guess, put the crown on top of Patrick Mahomes' head as he is a a very, very good NFL starting quarterback. So those two different things kind of give me a little bit of pause for Kareem Hunt compared to the other two players I have ranked ahead of him. Yeah, and I and I love what you pointed out about Mahomes, and he wasn't the starting quarterback in Kansas City when we did our QB rankings episode, our first rendition of it, but I'm exactly with you there. I think Patrick Mahomes is a classic example of somebody who succeeded because he's got a big arm in the Big 12, and he can sling the ball around and put up nice-looking numbers, but against terrible defenses, so... You know, he looked good in the preseason, but I might be able to look decent throwing the ball around against third stringers, which is what he was playing against. Um, And then you mentioned the week, I believe he he had the week 17 start. So uh, I think the jury is still out on Mahomes, and that affects Hunt. That affects Tyreek Hill um, just as much as it affects everybody else. So, But what I love here is that we all showed love. Six is across the board here for Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon does not get any credit from the fantasy football community. So anybody who who's cringing when they heard that Melvin Gordon was six, I need you to sit down and I need you to get okay with it. 2016, Gordon finished as running back seven overall. 2017, he finished as running back five overall. All right, Melvin Gordon is a good fantasy running back. 1,105 rushing yards. Very quickly, for anybody that's not good at math, uh, all we 
did was just average those two RB1 finishes, and there you go. 7 plus 5 equals 12 divided by 2, and you got 6. So we're right there. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, because I'm not good at math, personally. <laughs> 50, uh, 58 receptions for 476 yards, 12 total touchdowns. I don't care if he's inconsistent. Melvin Gordon is a good fantasy quarterback, or running back, I'm sorry. He has been, he will continue to be. Uh, for Melvin Gordon, because he's not losing that job. So anybody wants to get on the Eckler train, son, you're riding the wrong train. <laughs> I love that. I do. I love the Eckler train. I don't get it. <laughs> it's it's a tiny little choo-choo in the land of make-believe. <laughs> not understanding it. Um, all right. We'll, we'll jump ahead here. This is an interesting one. We all have different ranks on him. Um, Elvin Kamara was the seventh overall consensus pick from top two. But Eric ranked him seventh overall. I ranked him ninth overall. And Derek had him down at 11th overall. So I think we're all wondering. Um, I think we know that Kamara has to be regressing next season. But how far does he regress? Uh, Derek, since you, have, since you have the furthest regression, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, and, and so uh, I actually... I, I don't know if you want me to jump the gun on who I have uh, in the same backfield ranked of, as opposed to him. Yeah, let's have that discussion. We could talk about that. Okay. Uh, so, uh, going back to the rankings we have, uh, where does everybody have uh, Kamara and Ingrams throughout? So, so um, we have we have Kamara ranked, or I'm sorry, yeah, so we have Kamara ranked as our seventh consensus pick in Ingram is our 12th consensus pick. Okay. Uh, I ranked Ingram at 9th, and I put, come on, I mean, Kamara's still in the RB1 conversation for me. He's 11th. And ranking, I started off this way. Yes, I do believe that Kamara is in for some regression in the sense that the dude averaged 6.1 yards per carry, and it doesn't matter if you talk about running backs that only carry the ball 20 times, 30 times, whatever. The only running back in the NFL that had like 20 touches that had more yards per carry than Alvin Kamara was Corey Grant for the Jags. Austin Eckler. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say Austin Eckler. My bad. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. No. The Eckler train is, is still stuck at the, it's <laughs> in the stadium. So. Um, <laughs> Regardless. 
Ross, a, a, sexy or not, he's been there. And I put him over Kamara for two reasons. It comes down to touch volume, which Ingram trumps him. He had 288 touches compared to Kamara's 202. And even if that comes a little bit closer to the mean, if Kamara drops off a little bit as far as efficiency sake, which he, he has to, has to, then the other part of my argument is red zone touches. And they're about even as far as red zone touches go. He had Ingram at 43 and Kamara at 39. But the part that makes it different, and this is what separated some of our earlier running backs, is goal line carries. Ingram had 12, Kamara only had 4. And I don't see that, regardless of everything else, I don't see changing for next season. I don't see that they're going to make Alvin Kamara into a goal line bruiser when he's already got this much volume in the passing game. You have Ingram, who is still there. I still think he is going to thwart him, absolutely engulf him in goal line carries. And the touchdown volume plus regression equals Mark Ingram over Kamara for me. Yeah, and I think that's exactly the point. So I was I was having a really good discussion on Twitter probably about last week with somebody about, you know, how Ingram being in New Orleans affects Kamara's status um, in stock as a fantasy running back. And I think Kamara needs Ingram there because Kamara's not a between-the-tackles kind of guy. So um, I was fortunate enough. I saw Kamara play live a lot at the University of Tennessee, and he is a great player. He's a dynamic guy, but there was a reason that he got drafted where he did in the draft he doesn't stand out on his own and I'm not taking anything away from the guy he's dynamic he's a great pass catching running back and he does have the ability to get it done on the ground but he has the ability to get it done on the ground at the you know with 120 carries on the season not at the 230 that Mark Ingram's carrying the ball so I think they both benefit from splitting the load and this is one of the situations where you know they're not necessarily taking away from each other they're supporting each other and creating more carries more opportunities because that offense is staying on the field and I know uh, Derek you're a big Saints guy so you know that Drew Brees is getting up there in age I think these two are helping extend Drew Brees's career by taking those extra carries on the field all right let's let's talk about um one of kamara's draft class uh, partners here leonard fournette who came in eighth at, at our consensus ranking so item seven eric had him nine Derek had him eight uh, i'm gonna ask you um you both to just compare fournette compared to the other what are going to be sophomore uh rookie running backs so fournette compared to hunt Kamara, Dalvin Cook, who we'll dig a little bit more into, and then Christian McCaffrey. Long-term, dynasty-wise, where does uh, Fournette compare to them? The only, the only negative with Fournette for me right now is that that ankle injury popped up in the season, and I heard rumbles from Steelers fans that uh, it's like, ah, oh, that's a problem. That's, that's, that was his problem in college. That's going to stick with them. Assuming that's not a problem, this guy's a monster. I I saw I saw firsthand in that AFC Championship game how good Leonard Fournette can be. Uh, I know I got him. I know I got him ranked nine, but assuming that Jacksonville makes some improvements on the offside offensive side of the ball, uh, I you know I like Fournette against any of those guys. I like him against Hunt. I like him against Kamara. I like him against Cook. I I think Fournette. 
I'll say it. I think he's going to be the best out of all of them, to be honest. All right, so Derek, let me lead you into this next question because I love, I already know I'm going to love your response. But how do you compare Fournette to the guy that we have consensus ranked nine right behind him, Dalvin Cook? All right, so Dalvin Cook ranked, Dalvin Cook's ranked way, I mean, not way above, but he's he's above Fournette for me. I, uh, where's our consensus ranked for, so Dalvin Cook came in at ninth. Where, where do each of y'all have Dalvin Cook at? I have Dalvin Cook at eight. Eric has Dalvin Cook at ten, but I love where you have Dalvin Cook. Oh, man. Uh, so we, we talked a little bit about this before we pressed record. So Dalvin Cook is number five for me, and I love some Dalvin Cook. And for all the for all the, the combine hate that was tossed towards Dalvin Cook, there, there needs to be something said for that. So in spite of – and I'm not talking about a guy that runs like a, a six-flat 40. Okay, he's still going to be a monster. But for all of the people with stopwatches and things of that nature – there is so much made out of the combine, and it is so overblown at times. Dalvin Cook, if you turn on the tape, he runs hard, he runs fast, and he runs mean when he has to. I love Dalvin Cook, and I put him at number five. And there's a lot of different reasons for this. Uh, first off the top, Vikings ran the second most run plays in the NFL last season. So your volume, it's there. And that was with Latavius Murray as your early down banger. You have to believe that that value, that that volume is still going to be there with Dalvin Cook. We saw it before he got injured. Uh, number two has to be that McKinnon is going to be gone next year. He is going to be gone. He has come out and said that he wants to be a full-time back. He wants to be a three-down guy. He wants to, I think, one, get paid, and two, have a chance to show that he can be the dude. If you go back to the Vikings, you're not going to be the dude. You weren't even the dude after Dalvin went out with injury. That just wasn't the case. Yeah, you had some good games. That was all great and grand, but a lot of that was your pass game involvement. And the thing that pushes Dalvin Cook up to number five for me is that pass game involvement. So if McKinnon leaves, which I firmly believe he does, over Dalvin Cook's three full games that he played, so not counting the fourth that he went out with injury, he got 13 targets. So... I think that it's fair to say that you can project that out over a an entire season. So that would put him around 65 targets. And I don't think it's crazy. I usually don't subscribe to, okay, let me take this three-game sample, and I'm going to do some math and multiply things. And, uh, yeah, that's where he ends up. So, you know, this player gets uh, 47 touchdowns of the season. No, I'm not going with that. What I'm going with the fact that is, yes, I project him around 65 targets, or they said that season, last season, that's what it looked like he was going to be around. And what follows that up is McKinnon this year had 68 targets in the passing game. So with McKinnon gone, if Dalvin Cook stays with around the same amount of pass game involvement, which I actually think he gets a bump with McKinnon gone, so say he gets mm, 25% of McKinnon's targets. That puts him around the 80 target range, and you combine his early down prowess, the fact that he's going to get the goal line looks, because Latavius Murray is, he gets what's blocked, and that's not what Dalvin Cook does. Dalvin creates yards on his own. So you couple the touchdowns, the early down workload, and if he gets around 80 targets, only seven running backs last season finished with 80 plus targets on the season. And that's why I think Altogether, Dalvin Cook is number five for me. 
All right, I'm going to keep us moving here. LaShawn McCoy was our consensus 10th overall. Um, item 12, Eric had him 8, Derek had him 15. All of these are low compared to the fact that he has finished as the number four fancy running back the last two years. So, Eric, what changes next year? Uh, you know, I've, I've had McCoy falling off for like the past three seasons, and I'm done with it. I, I feel like eight is okay. You just said four. He'll probably be in five or somewhere. Uh, yeah, LaShawn McCoy is consistent. I, there's there's no other way to put it. He literally performs every single year. Uh, I have to play him twice a year as a Patriots fan because he's on the Bills. It annoys the hell out of me. I wish he was in New England. Uh, just he's he's literally the consummate professional, and he's going to perform every single year. You can you can feel good about yourself taking LaShawn McCoy in the first round. Like, you literally could. It's He's he's literally the perfect running back one. To our number 11 guy here, Jordan Howard, and I'm going to talk about Jordan Howard because I'm a big fan of him. If you can buy low on Jordan Howard right now, buy low on him. Um, in, our map, in our mock draft series, he went in the third round, which I think is a steal. Remember, this guy's been this guy was a late first rounder last year. He uh, was very touchdown dependent this year, which is why stock is lower on him. But he still put up over 1,100 yards. He still had nine touchdowns. Now he is very much a running running back. He doesn't contribute much in the passing game. So only 125 receiving yards on the season. But listen, this guy produced with nothing absolutely nothing in Chicago this season and you got to think that Trubisky is going to improve a lot in this offseason and you got to think the Bears are going to go out and get weapons to build around Trubisky so that they don't waste this rookie quarterback that's going to take the pressure off Jordan Howard it's going to stop defenses from stacking the box against this guy and it's going to make it so he doesn't have to rush the ball between 20 and 30 times a game every game which is really diluting his overall value so I think Jordan Howard is a great um, value here. I had him at 10, Eric had him at 11, Derek had him at 12. So I think we all agree he's still a running back one. But it seems like in the fantasy community, he's not being viewed as that. At 12, our consensus pick was Mark Ingram, who we already dug into. But Derek, why don't you dig into Kenyon Drake for us, who's our consensus 13th pick. And it was pretty close all around. I had him at 14, Eric, you had him at 12, and Derek, you had him at 14. Well, uh, going back to the mock draft series, uh, <laughs> I picked Kenyon Drake in the mock draft series, and I got a lot of hate for it. You did. Oh, my God. That was a lot of uh, fiery takes about him. And not I hate. Right? No. About no. That, right? No. No, no, no. Uh, I, here's what I think. If anybody wants to be down on Kenyon Drake, I went on – I actually talked with the guys on Rotor Street Journal, and I said Kenya Drake was going to be my playoff run, stretch run hero, and the dude came through. I love, if you watch him run, I love his talent. I love the way he runs. The Dolphins gave him the volume over the second half of the season. He's on a cheap contract for the next two years. The Dolphins have so many holes in that roster. I don't see them adding a running back, and if they do add a running back, it's not going to be early. I think that they go with Kenyon Drake, and I think he's going to be awesome next year. I can easily see him finishing in the top eight. If they improve the offensive line and they get more consistent quarterback play, Kenyon Drake is a guy that 
I think could have a great RB1 season and a guy that you could draft in the third, maybe fourth round, depending on who's sleeping on him. Yeah, Devonta Freeman, a little bit of regression this year. Do you expect him to uh, bounce back? I definitely expect him to be better than he was last year in the second uh, season under uh, Sarkeesian. I just, here's my problem with Freeman. I love Tevin Coleman. I want Tevin Coleman to start. I know that's not going to happen because they just gave Freeman the contract. It's, it's literally nothing against Freeman. Uh, Atlanta's too good to perform the way they performed this, this season on offense. They're way too good. Uh, I see Freeman bouncing back and having a better season. He's, he has a concussion problem. That is always scary. But, listen, like I said, there's too much talent in Atlanta. He should he should easily run for 1,100 yards. There's no excuse not to. I mean, I just, there's too much talent. There, there's way too much talent. And the second year on Sarkeesian, hopefully that'll help him. But, I mean, who knows? Sarkeesian could honestly be that bad offense coordinator. He showed nothing in the first year with as many weapons as Atlanta had. There's no excuse for how bad they were. There's really not. Well, I'm, I'm a little shaky on Freeman, to be honest. We know how Alabama coaches perform in the NFL, Nick Saban. All right, uh, jumping in at number 15, our consensus was Christian McCaffrey. Um, I'll talk about this guy because I just I really want to believe in Christian McCaffrey, and I feel like my want to believe in him may outweigh rationale. Uh, and so, if for some reason you only play in standard leagues, just skip ahead about 40 seconds. Don't even listen to my take on Christian McCaffrey because it's, it, he's not going to help you out in a standard league. He only had 117 attempts um, on the season, only 435 rushing yards, 27 yards per game on the ground, two touchdowns on the ground. Forget about it. But he had 113 targets. That um, I'm looking from all of our running backs on the list here. That looks like the highest. And he had 80 receptions out of that. So five receptions a game, 651 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. So he has that explosion, that dynamic ability. And Cam Newton, even with all of those stats, didn't really do a good job um, getting the ball to McCaffrey in a clean way. So I think Newton and McCaffrey work on their chemistry a little bit in the offseason, and he becomes an even more dynamic option. But again, forget about McCaffrey if you don't play in PPR leagues. Derek, bring us Harlow's Hyde, who me and Eric had at 17 each, but you had him down at 20. Uh, I think this comes to a lot of different things, at least this early in the offseason. So, Carl's Hyde, one, I don't necessarily think that he'll be back in San Francisco. And two, I think the injury risk, he showed that he was more... He was healthier this last season, but how much of that was, you know, you, you, you bite through a few more bumps and bruises and things of that nature, wanting a new contract than you have in previous seasons. So I, I worry about landing spot. I worry about injury risk and just overall talent. I like Carlos Hyde, but he's not shown to me that he can be that, that super elite guy. So I still think I was being a little bit generous. But we're, we're super early. He's going to bump down for me as we kind of factor in rookies, though. So that, that, that's where I stand on Hyde. All right. Let's 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 
Let's jump into, um, I want to talk about two guys specifically here that we had outside of our running back one rank. So me and Eric both ranked Derrick Henry 18th, but you ranked Derrick Henry 13th. Um, and, and I'm on record writing for Henry being a big upside guy. So I, I'm excited to see your take on Henry. So Derrick Henry, a, a lot of this, I, I absolutely believe that DeMarco Murray is gone. I said when I thought DeMarco Murray landed with the Titans that I felt like the Titans' plan at the time was to ride Murray for a year, possibly two, and then turn it over to Derrick Henry. And I think that's what we see in this upcoming season. And you got a glimmer of that in the playoffs. Murray's out. Henry averaged 20 touches a game in the playoffs. And I know it's small sample size, but this is a giant man, Godzilla playing running back and for that type of volume even in a small sample size he's shown that he has the size and he's going to be a goal back to be able to withstand that type of volume and if if I do believe that Henry is the number one back in that backfield then I think that he's going to get the workload you only he would have finished seventh over that small uh, sample size in touches per game but even moving forward, you saw what DeMarco did in 2016. He ended up as the uh, – he had the third most uh, touches amongst running backs. I think absolutely that's something you could pe- uh, peg Henry for in the coming seasons. I think that him getting LaFleur as the uh, offensive coordinator and having Vrabel there is a plus because Vrabel being a defensive guy, I think that he's not going to want to get cute. and They're going to throw the ball. Because I think LaFleur is a good offensive coordinator. But if we saw, and we've seen in previous seasons, LaFleur is from the Shanahan tree. He worked under Mike. He worked under Kyle in numerous spots. And Kyle believes in running the ball. So I think Derrick Henry is going to get fed. And he's going to be a very good running back for for, for teams next year. Let's get into... Let's get into what me and Derek have been waiting for. Uh, <laughs> we've been we've been waiting for this, and I saved it for last. Uh, everyone's favorite uh, fantasy running back to talk about, Joe Mixon, coming in at thirty overall for me. And now, frankly, I thought I was being nice putting him at thirty. Eric put him at twenty nine. Uh, Derek put him at sixteen. Now, now, Derek, you're the guest on the show, so would you rather go first or second? I know I, you know what I, I've 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 got my case ready. I've got to hear the hate. I've got to hear your points of why Joe Mixon is at an RB three going into this season right now, without rookies included, because rookies aren't even part of this right now. But y'all have Joe Mixon as number thirty. I I got to hear it. All right, so the easiest step, yeah, the easiest way for me to lead off here is that Joe Mixon finished as a running back three in 2017, 28th overall. Now, Joe Mixon ran the ball 178 times for just 626 yards. That's 3.5 yards a carry. That's a dismal number. He had four touchdowns, and I know he's getting a lot of hype as – this receiving running back coming out of the backfield, but he had 30 catches, 
for 287 yards and no touchdowns coming out of that. So only four total touchdowns. And I know the argument is Marvin Lewis didn't give him a fair shot. But here, listen, the bottom line is Joe Mixon was not in a tough running back by committee. I mean, to not be able to beat out Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill until what, game eight, game week nine, something like that. I mean, Joe Mixon, he was overrated coming into the league because he played in a bad football conference where you can rack up the stats and he wasn't even the best player on his team coming out of that remember Samaje Pirine had better stats at Oklahoma than Joe Mixon and uh, I just don't see him as a fantasy running back I think that we're we're blown away by these raw skills and talents that we've seen on film that and at the combine that never really show up on the field. So for me, until he proves it, he's hanging back at running back um, 30 for me. He didn't prove it in his rookie season. I'm going to keep waiting for it to happen, but it's not exactly like Cincinnati has this magic puzzle where all of a sudden he's going to come out next season and be a running back one. So that's what I'll lead off with, Derek. I'm sure you're going to prove me wrong, so go ahead and do it. Eric, you got anything to add there before I start uh, rambling on? Real quick, it has nothing to do with Nixon's talent for me. I think Cincinnati's a train wreck. I have no, I have no faith in what Cincinnati's going to do next season. How do you bring back Marvin Lewis? I, just, I don't understand it. I, there's, until Marvin Lewis is out of that, that no, just no. Unless you're A.J. Green, I'm not touching any Cincinnati Bengal with a 10-foot pole in fantasy. Okay. I mean, that, like, I, I can't defend Marvin Lewis because even myself, I was like, what in the hell are y'all thinking right now? Um, uh, so I'll, I'll give y'all a little bit of stat work here. Um, so two running backs in their first year in the league. One, because we're obviously talking about it is Joe Mixon. What you don't know is who is number two. Uh, so, Joe Mixon had four rushing touchdowns, like you said. He caught almost all of his passing targets. He was targeted 34 times, had 30 receptions, uh, 9.6 yards per reception. You have this other running back who Joe Mixon also ran at, like you said, 3.5 yards per carry. You have this other running back in his rookie season run at 3.5 yards per carry. Joe Mixon only dropped four of his passing targets. This other running back had 8.9 yards per reception, 66 targets, but he only caught 45 of them. So, uh, had more rushing touchdowns, but, you know, a little bit better offense. And this is one of the players that he was compared to the most coming out of college, and that's Le'Veon Bell. And I think that there are so many parallels if you look at combine numbers, if you look at first year of the league, and this is past numbers. If you look at running styles, I think that Joe Mixon can absolutely explode in his second year. All the Bengals have to do, and it was a large part of what went wrong, is that offensive line was absolute crap at the beginning of the year. That Marvin Lewis did what I thought he was going to do, and he always leans towards veterans. And even though Jeremy Hill looks like, I don't know, a, a sloth <laughs> wearing a Bengals jersey. That's that's kind. That's being kind to Jeremy Hill. Well, 
I'm from Louisiana. You went to LSU. I, I got. I can't be absolutely just downright hateful to him. Oh, well, I can, but I, I choose not to be. Um, but with Joe Mixon, I see him absolutely exploding if the Bengals add to their offensive line, which I believe I have faith. And that's a lot considering they just brought back Marvin Lewis. But I do have faith that they have to look at themselves in the mirror and see, okay, what is the crux of what sabotaged us last year? And one of the biggest things was their Achilles heel, and that was the offensive line. Because, one, the way that Joe Mixon runs is he runs very patiently. And if you were to stick Le'Veon Bell behind a poor offensive line... There would be a lot of reasons and a lot of things said that are said about Joe Mixon that would be said about Le'Veon Bell behind a terrible offensive line. In that running patient and waiting for a hole to develop and blasting through it, but if the hole never comes, you look like you're tentative. You look like you don't know where you're going and you look like you're sidestepping like the entire time. And so I think the Bengals, if they add to the offensive line, I talked about first year comparables. The other thing that gives me hope about Joe Mixon is that over the end of the season, so his last five, his final six games of the season, some of those, I mean, it's not sequential games because some of them were thrown out because of injury he sustained in the middle of it. But over his last six games of the season, he averaged 4.2 yards per carry. And per playerprofiler.com, he was 13th in yards created per carry. So that that's... Besides his offensive line, what he was able to do based on a talent and running ability alone, he was 13th. And I think if they add to the offensive line, you, you, he's shown he has receiving prowess. Obviously, he only did not catch four of his passing game targets. If that bumps up a little bit, because it absolutely could. Yes, Gio is still going to be there. But if they had absolute faith in Gio, they would have never drafted Joe Nixon. So... In a lot of respects, at least for Joe Mixon, if they add to the line, Marvin Lewis coming back, because he's obviously a guy that loves Joe Mixon because he drafted him as opposed to a new regime coming in and being like, guess what? Y'all all, everybody's heads on the chopping block. you got to prove it from day one. Marvin Lewis loves Joe Mixon, and I think if they make improvements, then you see Joe Mixon explode next year. Right. And I got to wrap this thing up here, but I will say that it, your argument is exactly right. It has a lot of valid points and it's it's sound logic, but for me, that is everything I've been hearing about Joe Mixon from the start. It's just wait, just wait. And I know he's only had one season, so I very well could be wrong. And he could explode in the next season or in his third season. But until he does, he's one of these players that he's got to prove it to me before I'm going to bump him up in my rankings. But like I said, we do got to wrap this thing up. So I want to thank you all for listening to us here. I want to remind you all that you can find Derek on Twitter at dbro underscore ffb, 247fantasyfootball.com. Um, I hope you enjoyed his hot takes. We sure enjoyed having you on here, Derek. Um, you can go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Top2Sports, the podcast specifically at Top2Pod. Eric's at Top2Eric. I'm at Top2Matt. We'd really appreciate you subscribing and writing us a review, dropping us those five stars on iTunes. Um, of course, we cannot finish without Eric's motivational quote. But before we do that, Derek, any parting thoughts for us? No, I had, I, I had a great time. Good.
been talking football with y'all. You some good guys who know the game. Uh, definitely, I mean, being new on the pod scene, people got to tune in. They got to catch a listen because yeah, y'all definitely have some good knowledge you're spitting out here. Yeah, man, we loved having you on here. Some great knowledge that you dropped for us, some awesome stat work. Even if we disagree on Joe Mixon, man, we still loved having you on here. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. All right, Eric, finish this off. As always, give the people something motivational. Today's quote comes from Vince Lombardi. Perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. I love it. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody.